Hello, this is Ben Eshmade and welcome to the King's Place podcast. On the 10th to the 12th of October 2013, the Whirlwind Festival comes to King's Place. 18 bands and 86 musicians perform across the three days, with world-class players performing an eclectic mix of modern music. The man responsible, international recording artist, freelance bassist, composer, band leader, educator and producer Michael Yanish joins me via Skype. Are you looking forward to the festival? Uh, yes, I'm looking very much forward to the festival. It's been an, a, an enormous build-up. It's been something that I've been working on with all the artists basically for a year and a half. Mainly what I've been doing the last couple of weeks is just practicing the music for all the different bands I'm going to be playing personally as a bassist. With uh, Whirlwind as a label, one of the things we're really trying to do is reach out to people and let them know that you know the kind of music that we're playing, it's not this sort of elitist specialist music that they won't connect with. It's an actual music that's very reflective of the times. I know that sounds very cliche, but it, it, it's very true. And all the artists on the catalog are very hip to what's happening in the world of music outside of jazz. So, so where did the label come from then, you know, which obviously the festivals come out of? The label started in January of 2010 when I released my debut album. And the quick story is uh, basically I shopped my own album around for record deals and I wasn't basically the return I would get for all the effort and my own personal money I put into my debut album. So I thought, well, if I promote it myself through my own record label, I'll get all the return back and therefore I'll be able to fund further. And so I set it up properly and, and really learned a lot about releasing music. It's a very, I like to think, forward-thinking record label model in that we partner with the artists. And so I kind of call it a cooperative label. The label spends some money, the artists spend some money, and we split according to what we've spent. In three years now, we have 33 or 35 albums on the label, all of which I'm very proud of, even if I'm not on them. <laughs> Have you been surprised at where you've got to in that amount of time and also maybe the diversity? Yeah, I'm very happy with the scope of it more than anything. It's something that I've really wanted is a goal from the beginning. And um, I, I even want to expand the scope of, of the uh, music even more and that's going to really start happening next year as well there's going to be a lot of stuff that maybe wouldn't even be considered jazz you know although they're definitely one of the things that's really important to me is that a lot of the music focuses on or at least features improvisation that's one of the binding threads that holds all the albums whether it's you know kind of more folky singer songwriting stuff or straight up very contemporary jazz and stuff there's getting to be so many people approaching the label now that i'm having to make some really hard decisions some pretty major artists have approached the label now but also now we're starting to really release those as well as completely unknown musicians who i really like and believe in that think that they deserve a platform to be heard uh, like for example rachel cohen you know who's releasing her album at the whirlwind festival A 
that's a good excuse maybe to then talk a little bit more about Rachel then. I mean, tell me what brought you to her music, what you think is her, her strength when she performs live. Yeah, Rachel Cohen, um, since I've been living in the UK, I've been the, uh, the bass instructor at the Glasgow Jazz Festival Summer School. And she was in that as a teenager. And I remember really liking her sound, even though concept-wise she had a long way to go. Then after that, I was touring with Donnie McCaslin, the great American tenor saxophone player, who was over on some gigs with myself and Jim Hart, who's also on the label. And we were doing some concerts. And then Phil Robson joined the band for some dates that we did in the Midlands. And we played at the Birmingham Conservatoire uh, for a master class, Donnie had a chart that, that needed um, uh, alto saxophone. So we thought it would be cool to invite someone up. You know, there was a class of 150 kids sitting there and we said, does anyone want to come up and play with us? Rachel was the only one in the entire class who raised her hand and, she, and I remember thinking, oh, that's that girl from Glasgow Summer School thinking, wow, she's grown up, you know, and, you know, good for her for having the, for being brave enough to come up, stand up on stage. But it's what she did after that, which really floored us all. And she completely owned the performance. And Donnie was knocked out because we had, quote unquote, young studs uh, sit in at the Royal Academy and also at Trinity. And by far, Rachel completely blew them away, you know. And so I'm really excited about her future. This is her first tour, so she's really excited too. Another album launch, um, Ollie Howe. There's an incredible story behind how he's got to, to the concert. Could you, could you tell us a little bit more about that? This is another uh, another thing. Every every artist on the label has this sort of unique thing that happens when they approach the label, or I approach them. And um, the the thing with Ollie is that I think he was out looking for labels, and I had heard it. I thought, wow, this is great. This kid's like you know not even 22 or 23 at the time, and then. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm definitely interested, and obviously Max Luther's on the album, and Duncan Eagles is on the album. They're in this band, uh, Particle, which is um, a young band that I signed kind of in the similar way of Rachel. It's someone I really wanted to sort of big up because I really thought they were great young young players. So, so as I got to know Ollie, you know, I, I realized that not only is it just a great first statement, I learned that Ollie also had sort of um, been in the hospital for three years having constant brain surgeries for, for a, uh, a problem, a really serious problem with his brain, uh, something, a uh, malformation of some kind, which I don't know the ins and outs of. What I do know is that, you know, he's lucky to be alive and he's really a fighter. When you start hearing that backstory and then listening to the music, you kind of listen to it in a new way and you realize that there, you know, there's a lot of anthem type hopeful themes in the music that kind of really is a direct result of kind of what he was going through, you know, and, um, Another thing that's really amazing about Ollie is he's just so incredibly positive and go-getting. If, um, if anyone deserves a chance to get his music heard, it's this guy. <laughs> Another thing is that uh, he's been taken up now by Quincy Jones, who I believe had a similar medical history with Ollie. And also, it's great to see that he's being championed by someone like Quincy, who is obviously such an important person 
in the, the music world. Going to somewhere a little bit different, just to show that there's lots on offer. I mean, could you tell me a little bit more, more about Jazz for Babies? So, yeah, the Jazz for Babies is uh, a result of basically my becoming a father for the first time and not being happy with baby music. <laughs> That's the short end of it. I just wanted to play music to my unborn child in the womb, you know, with the little speakers on the belt on on the on my wife's tummy and all that stuff and i envisioned that it, there, there there would be plenty of really calm and relaxing beautifully produced music out there but what i found when i searched was just pretty awful music and i just uh decided to do a version of what i've been doing my entire life and just um music with a sort of a jazz sensibility with like improvised solos and but but to do it with you know a really famous song some of very emotional songs from different parts of the last hundred years and stuff like that so that parents could also enjoy it when they listen to it Well, going back to the beginning of the interview again, you talked about a lot of this music having a level of accessibility that isn't maybe associated naturally with jazz. So I thought I would ask you, maybe pick a concert that would be really appealing to a jazz novice. Maybe as, as a flip of that, choose one which you think would really appeal to people who are a little bit more into the, the, the Blue Notes, the, the Miles Davises, you know, that sort of thing. Exactly, because there's that too, you know. I think one of the one of the... Before I choose, like one of the things that I really listen for in choosing an artist to be on Whirlwind is that they really have a foundation in this music, um, jazz, which I know is a huge topic, uh, word, you know, people, some people don't even like using that word. I would say, you know, for a complete jazz novice, um, one of the shows that they might really like is the Robert Mitchell double bill with also Romain Pilon, the guitarist I just mentioned from France. Because first of all, Robert, he's going to open the concert and he's just going to be playing solo piano. But it's what's really interesting about Whirlwind Record is that he's done this big research into the left hand piano world and history and all this kind of stuff. And he's done a solo left hand piano album called The Glimpse. If, if you've never heard this kind of playing before, it, it kind of draws you into it. One of the really exciting special guests that he's going to have on that concert is the vocalist Eska, who is one of my favorite um, just musicians on the planet. She's a sort of genre-defying vocalist, you know, singer-songwriter, composer, who's, everyone knows about her, but there's some sort of underground thing with her, too, that she's just not a household name yet, but definitely should be, you know? And so that's going to be very interesting. And I think for, to not have drums on the stage and, like, all this other crazy stuff happening, you know, just to have the two of them, that would be, that's a, that's a great thing for complete, jazz novices but then moving on into the double bill you have Romaine's quartet and the reason I paired them together is because even though Romaine's got a quartet it's gonna be a lot louder and a lot more rhythmic and all that compared to the duo with Robert and Eska Romaine's also like really pulls on these strings of emotion and kind of you know his music draws you in you can connect with it because it's very melodic there's a lot of space in it and there's a lot of really strong sort of grooves that are sort of um, coming from hip-hop and sort of drum and bass and kind of stuff like this but it's done you know he's from france he's from the south of france and he has this sort of really calm french aesthetic if you want to say that in his music so and also he's really influenced by color field painting which is more about you know big brush strokes and and more big colors and and so you have a, like like a lot of constant themes within his music for the more for people that are really rooted in jazz you know there's there's a real eclectic mix that kind of covers all these there's so many sub 
subgenres within jazz that people like to label things. But definitely the first night is going to be great for, for fans of jazz. And, and also there are some really well-known people in this country headlining. For example, um, we have Gareth Lecrane's band headlining the first night. He, he, of course, got Mojo Magazine's jazz album of the year last year for his album, The Strut. And that's just kind of like, it's just soulful. It's it, There's a lot of groove and there's a lot of familiar sort of sounds that you would associate with this sort of blue note stuff. But also there's very nice contemporary twist on it all. And there's some really nice through composed stuff too. So definitely searching and applying his own touch on everything. And he's just a an amazing flautist as well, you know. So he's happening. And then, of course, Alex Garnett's head, headlining, and he's one of the country's favorite saxophone players. You can't go wrong with him. And he's teaming up with Nick Vianos, who's over from New York City. They're, he's going to be launching his album some other time, and we have guest Femi Tomowo playing guitar on that. And then, of course, Particel is opening that show. So they're this um, young uh, super trio, saxophone trio. So there's that. And then, of course, like on um, on the third night, of the festival you have Mike Gibbs in a doubleheader with Nia Lynn who's launching her album that has Norma Winston so these are just sort of you know some of the biggest names in jazz you know my own show has Greg Osby so you know we have a real eclectic lineup you know with all these musicians we're all really good friends and everyone knows each other so I think the hang is going to be pretty epic too so I don't think I'll be sleeping for three days um, I just hope my fingers last because I think on the Saturday I have six or seven gigs that day in the festival. So don't miss the Whirlwind Festival, which runs from the 10th to the 12th of October. This podcast also contains music from a free 20-track digital sampler, which is available free to those who buy tickets for the festival. More details on this and the full lineup of the festival on our website. I'm Ben Eshmead, and you've been listening to a King's Place podcast. For more details about any of these events at the festival, please visit kingsplace.co.uk. Thanks for listening.